Your name is Joe Biden, not Joe Stalin. This guy is carried away with power that he doesn't have. But watch this. And for now, after a year of hard work and so much sacrifice, the rule is very simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The rule is very simple. Just remember, Joe Biden didn't follow that rule ever. Take a look at this picture. Joe Biden unmasked, unvaccinated in November of 2020, hugging his family who had just flown in from all over the country to see him uh, celebrate his election <clears throat> victory. Anyway, when Joe puts out a tweet like this, it's offensive. He has no place saying stuff like this. The rule is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. This is a free country. The CDC actually said, this is guidance, Joe. We can make our own decisions. As much as you like to pretend, to pretend that you're some sort of emperor, it does not quite work that way. Hey, remember this, by the way, Joe, because if we were to follow you and your guidance and your edicts strictly, we'd be in big trouble. The last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. Neanderthal thinking. Neanderthal thinking to take off the mask before everybody was vaccinated. That's back in March. Well, not everybody is vaccinated. So, of course, he's all over the place on this. And his own conduct has been pretty interesting. Again, hugging that family, hugging and kissing. And they all flew in from all over the country. Can't take this guy seriously if only he were, well, if only he knew what he was doing. And you know what would have been nice at some point in this administration? A real, true, robust acknowledgement of Donald Trump. And since no one is doing it in the Biden administration, good for Donald Trump for doing it himself. A classic statement from the 45th president of the United States. Let's go ahead and put it up. Isn't it incredible that because of the vaccines, which I and my administration came up with years ahead of schedule, that we no longer need masks, and yet our names are not even mentioned in what everybody is calling the modern-day miracle of the vaccines? Damn right, Mr. President. Also, just a mention, please. <laughs> the Biden administration had zero to do with it. All they did was continue our plan of distribution, which was working well right from the beginning. You know, some of us are wondering what, I don't know, some ulterior motive for Joe Biden suddenly pushing this thing. No more masks from a guy who wore a mask during an international conference call last week. Could it be that the border is out of control still? It's a crisis that they deny. Could it be that there are intensifying questions about the fairness of the 2020 election? And of course, we have all kinds of issues going on in the Middle East. I don't know. I think those are good questions. Meanwhile, school, school year is not happening. The teachers union successful in keeping their teachers out of school for the entire school year. A lot of money on the table. They always got paid, and I think they wanted to make it to the summer so they could have that off. No school, summer, and now um, she's saying that we're going to have it in September. This is Randy Weinkarten of the American Federations of Teachers. Bottom line, though, without full vaccinations, is this semester, is this school year probably not going to have full school openings? Well, so let me, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, uh, Chuck, because what does full school opening mean? 
<laughs> full school opening means full school opening. They didn't want it. They wanted the time off. They wanted the money. It's kind of like um, Thanksgiving. You know, when you have Thanksgiving off, hopefully you do. Nobody wants to go to work on Friday. And uh, it's kind of like that. Can they milk this thing through the end of June? And yes, they have. And that means the summer is off. And, uh, but this time they're serious. They really want to get back to school in the fall. I am not so sure, but this is what they're saying. We can make every public school a place where parents want to send their children, where educators want to work, and where students thrive. Given current circumstances, nothing should stand in the way of fully reopening our public schools this fall and keeping them open. Of course, it's not risk-free. But we can manage the threat by encouraging people to get vaccines and following guidance from the CDC that prevents the spread of the disease. Laying it on a bit thick there, right? Schools had an advantage. Kids essentially don't get COVID. They don't. By the way, what's up with these side angles, huh? You ever notice they're doing these side angles, like somehow that makes it more interesting, right? If you mix it up every now and then. I don't know. Uh, I see that from the Biden administration as well. This has had such a corrosive effect, all this COVID stuff on society. Uh, people, a lot of them, sometimes I feel it myself, <laughs> don't really want to go back to the office. Uh, we have developed some new and not so great habits. Watching a lot of TV, some of our diets have gone to pot, all kinds of things going on. Pointed out, mentioned by the Wall Street Journal, this is a really difficult uh, moment. It is impossible, Daniel Henniger writes, not to be struck by how many employers say that former and prospective employees after a year of forced unemployment simply will not work. Goes on, the authorities built COVID into a 12-month monster, so people naturally sought respite and distractions from the monster. I believe the pandemic accelerated the transition evident for years. Away from the basic concept of daily work, and toward an emerging idea that life is less about work and more about play. Big time, big time. And Netflix made it easy. And you know what? Especially here in New York and other places, I'm told, marijuana. People have been trying that stuff who weren't initially doing it. And a lot of us are more checked out than ever before. And you know who was warning about this from the earliest stages? President Trump. Ultimately, I'm always right. We can't keep this country closed. This is a massive country with a massive economy. People are losing their jobs. They're committing suicide. There's depression, alcohol, drugs at a level that nobody's ever seen before. There's abuse, tremendous abuse. We have to open our country. And he warned throughout that the longer this lasts, addiction, Loneliness, suicide, it's real. And some of that happened, and it's still happening. He was right, and that was leadership. Good news as well as the bad. We'll be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. 
I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, are they laying it on thick. Take a look at this. Um, after ousting Liz Cheney, Republicans prove they're a bigger threat than 9-11 hijackers. This was published in the USA Today. You get that free at the Holiday Inn. They sell it at McDonald's. What are they having this nonsense in there for, huh? 9-11. I was here, by the way, in New York City on September 11, 2001. Nearly 3,000 people were killed. Obviously, this is an offensive comparison to those 19 hijackers, murderers of Americans. Now, they're trying to trigger us, I guess. You tell me, this is some uh, strategist who gets himself on TV and and they say stuff like this, and the left eats it up. Bush, I've been thinking to myself this whole time, you know, Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, the Taliban, the people who wanted to do harm to our nation and to our way of life and our democracy, they got nothing on what this Republican Party is doing. The idea that a member of their party, of their leadership, whose last name is Cheney, could be purged from their leadership for telling the truth about January 6th. When it comes to harming the United States, Mohammed Atta has nothing on Kevin McCarthy. All right. They're playing games with us. And by the way, January 6th, here's some truth about January 6th. It was a riot. It got out of hand. It was a bad day. It did not topple the government. It was not intended to topple the government. No one's been charged with insurrection, which is a chargeable crime. There were no weapons. And only one person was killed that day. Her name was Ashley Babbitt. She was a Trump supporter, and she was unarmed. All right? Okay, back to the mask madness uh, or the mask uh, silliness. Uh, they celebrated because the government told them so. Have we taken this a bit too far? Are we a little too excited? I know, I, look, I think it's doable. We are too I mean, vaccinated people. Too vaccinated people. Does the CDC say anything about me sitting on your lap? Well, let's get rid of this big death. Okay. Too big. Well, by the way, I hope you've been doing your squats because I'm not a light. That's not a light load for you. We're so happy to be together. Oh. And we want to mention, Craig, you are not in trouble. You are not in the penalty box, but you are fully vaccinated on Monday. On Monday. On Monday. We're both going to sit on your lap. Yes, we, we are. And Al, too. We've lost our masks and the lines here. Yes, we have. Okay, it's just a morning chit-chat show. It's cute. You're looking for any moment, you know. I'm reminded, though, Savannah Guthrie. Remember the town hall she ran with Donald Trump? 50 nasty questions from her, three from the audience, right? They're protecting the Biden administration, spinning for them every way. Uh, I don't mind that song, though. Uh, I've heard it a lot lately. And um, it made me remember this little scene how some NBC people weren't wearing masks when they were supposed to. There's Joe Scarborough and uh, that guy, Mike Barnacle. They're always on the Morning Joe show together, not wearing a mask, last July on Martha's Vineyard. That wasn't very good, was it? Black lives do matter. But the Black Lives Matter organization, their leadership, they only seem to think they matter when taken by a white police officer. That's not true. All lives matter, Black Lives Matter, and this life mattered. Uh, 15-year-old Jamarian Lil Dada Gillette, an aspiring musician, was shot and killed on March 10th, dropped off at a hospital where he died. Shooter unknown, believed to be 
a drive-by situation. Knoxville police asking for help figuring out uh, what exactly happened here, the circumstances around the shooting, who pulled the trigger. Uh, Lil Dada was reported missing from a Crossville group home a few months before his death. His mother said he was there for his protection, but he ran away wanting to be with his family. Gillette is one of five Austin East Magnet High School students killed so far this year. Five killed in a year. 15-year-old Janaria Muhammad, 16-year-old Stanley Freeman Jr., 16-year-old Justin Taylor, all shot and killed since February. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene back with us here on Newsmax in her car in her home district in Georgia online for gas. Is that true? There is no gas. I'm, I'm stopped at this gas station so I can talk with you tonight, Greg, and this gas station is completely out of gas. The only gas that they have or the only type of fuel they have is diesel. And but there is no regular gasoline. So. That, so totally crazy in America. Uh, man, uh, who's who's look, I know about the Russian hackers. I've seen our response. It seems totally anemic. What else can be done? Well, I tell you what, this is a clear indicator of what will happen if, if the Democrats get their way. Now, I'm I'm fully against negotiating with terrorists and so these hackers prove to the world you can hack any system in the United States and they're going to pay you for it. And and this is a terrible thing. But but gas shortages, uh, the major inflation that we're starting to see with lumber over 400 percent, food prices going up, milk going up, everything going up and then complete shortages and supplies, building supplies, appliances, um, uh, cars, you name it. There's a shortage in all supplies as our federal government is paying people to stay home. This is a great big look at what socialism would be like under the Democrats if they get their way and are able to pass the New Deal policies, which are written in all of the bills that we're having to vote on. Wow, uh, that makes total sense. So look, uh, they're picking on you on Capitol Hill. The Congress looks like a great big high school and you got Swalwell and AOC, you know, like the, 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 the cool kids. And they seem to be, quite frankly, picking on you because you're different. You don't think like they do. You don't look like they do. It seems very high school right now. Uh, and again, I see you as, uh, well, you're no victim, but you know what I mean. They're coming for you. Well, you know, we got to remember who this is. This is the party of uh, supporting BLM riots all over the country. This is the party of Maxine Waters getting down there on the streets in the riot areas saying get more confrontational. This is the party of Cori Bush, the BLM activist that led the mob into the neighborhood of the McCloskeys. This is the party of Eric Swalwell, who has relationships with Chinese spies. This is the party of Nancy Pelosi that won't move Eric uh, Swalwell off of the Intel Committee. So these are the people that we're dealing with. And what they're not used to is Republicans that will not back down. And this is the whole reason why I ran for Congress. My district is is very happy. This is why they voted for me, because they knew I am a person that I ran on. I'm going to hold Congress accountable. Congress needs to work for the American people. And they are failing right now. And they're destroying our country and, and running us uh, into the ground. We're like a business going out of business. And so they don't know what to do with me because I'm not going to back down and be, be um, intimidated 
by their bully tactics. And the media tries to portray, as you know, you as the bully, that you're the one out of line. I'd like to point out, remind our viewers, I saw an orchestrated political event using our troops, marching them into your office, which I found to be uh, potentially intimidating and definitely not a, a wise use of our military. They did that. Your office uh, across the way was trying to trigger you with um, signage and messaging outside. But again, the media always portray you as the bully. It's really wild. Oh, Greg, it's something else. Ever since I've, I've gotten here, I mean, look at the Democrats picking up my committees when there was no ethics violation against me. I've done nothing wrong. And then you had uh, Cori Bush uh, verbally assaulting me in the tunnel, screaming at me because she walked by me and I had my mask pulled down below my nose. Then you have Marie Newperson or New Newman across the hall, whatever, she doesn't believe in gender, you know, <laughs> planting the flag in, a, in, you know, this aggressive manner on a Twitter tweet. And guess what? Maria Newman also shoulder checked me when we walked by each other uh, as I was going to capital to vote and she was leaving. She walked by and aggressively hit my shoulder and I turned and I said, excuse me. And then I said, the Capitol policeman was right there. And I said, did you see that? And he said, yes, I did. And she didn't do anything. She kept on walking. And then here we have, um, uh, oh, we've got Jimmy Gomez from California introducing a resolution to expel me. And I've done nothing wrong. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then just you mentioned the delegate from Guam bringing over 30 National Guardsmen marching down on my office. Thank God I wasn't in there. And so, you know, they're accusing me of, of being aggressive or they're accusing me and, and saying they, that my mannerisms are wrong. Uh, it's it's definitely the other way around because mm. they're the hypocrites and they're the ones that are completely out of line. I, I, I've seen it myself and I know you're right. By the way, Swalwell, we were just talking about him. He would be the uh, wannabe homecoming king in all of this if, if Congress were a high school. The wannabe. I don't think he would be quite that. So he got into it with one of your staff members, and uh, he's out there saying this. Uh, this is uh, from just a couple of hours ago. I've just frankly had enough with these marauding goons in the Marjorie Taylor Greene crowd who go around, you know, trying to terrorize my colleagues. We saw what she's done to Alex, uh, my, my colleague, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, uh, what she's done to Cori Bush. And I just thought, you know what, the best way, you know, uh, to not let people like this bully others is to tell the bullies uh, to back off. And so, uh, not surprisingly, this aide of hers uh, got, you know, quite uh, speechless after I, I told, you know, I had a few choice words for him. I know the aide they're talking about, Mr. Nick Dyer. I, I think he's a real gentleman. Um, you know, one thing they're giving you a hard time for, I saw the video, we might have it. Two years ago, you were, uh, you know, trying to get AOC's attention through the mail slot. No big deal, quite frankly. It's a free country. You are expressing yourself. And they can try to portray this as, uh, <laughs> I don't know, a borderline insurrection. It's not. People are allowed to do this kind of thing, uh, Congresswoman. Well, you know, yeah, they're, they're bringing out a video. Um, I had done some citizen lobbying where, you know, we're the, we're the American people. We're the taxpayers. We should be able to go talk to members of Congress about the policies that they're they're trying to pass and enforce on us. They make law, Congress, we make laws. And we, you know, can raise taxes. We can change the way the country operates. 
And this is exactly what AOC is trying to do with the Green New Deal. Um, her office was one of the offices I stopped by, and guess what? It was locked. And so she wasn't available to talk to American citizens and taxpayers. So we were talking through the mail slot, like, hello, are you in yeah. there? I mean, this is her pattern. She doesn't talk to anyone. Uh, she just hides in her office all day long and refuses to explain her policy. Um, but Eric Swalwell that you just showed the video of, he's lying. I was there and I witnessed what happened to Nick. Um, Nick was very cheerful. Nick's been very excited that, you know, that, that Joe Biden said, hey, nobody has to wear a mask anymore, even though he's trying to force vaccines on people. But Nick was walking up the steps and we were heading into the Capitol and he saw Eric Swalwell and I don't even think he knew it was him. And he said he just saw a man with a mask and a pen. He said, Congressman, Joe Biden says we don't have to wear a mask anymore. And he said it very nicely. And then Nick kept walking and I did, too. And then all of a sudden, Eric Swalwell comes charging in over to push Nick up in the corner, gets inches from his face and curses at him and tells him, you don't, you know, blank, tell me what to do. And it was aggressive. It was unbelievable. And I said, get away from him. And then he turned and started going and said, stop attacking, insulting members of my staff. And and now you've got him. He's lying. I mean, he it's it's crazy. Uh, and everybody witnessed. We had members of the press were there as a witness and they tweeted about it. One guy tweeted about it. The Capitol Police were there and, and they witnessed it. Um, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, he has something that you don't Democrat immunity. <laughs> and he's not going to be, you know, the media is not going to go there. It's wild. Hey, by the way, I love it. One year, two years ago, you know, you're trying to get her attention through the mailbox and you're just a citizen. Now you're a member of Congress. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Look at where you've come. Uh, although right now you're in a gas station, so that doesn't look so great. <laughs> but it's I, I, I love that you're there. And um, uh, thank you for being with us once again. Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate you on tonight. All right. Take care now. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. We'll be right back. Their get up and go, got up and went. COVID has done very little for people's ambition. Uh, a lot of folks love the money. Uh, some of it free, coming from the government and not terribly anxious to work. This has been noted by all kinds of economists, uh, some journalists we respect, including at the Wall Street Journal. The authorities built COVID into a 12-month monster, so people naturally sought respite in distractions from the monster. I believe the pandemic accelerated the transition evident for years away from the basic concept of daily work and toward an emerging idea that life is less about work and more about play. We're hearing from lots of employers who can't get employees, especially in the restaurant industry. Uh, you're looking at the Mill Ridge Inn. This is one of the great spots in America. I've been there many times for a, uh, a wedding, not mine, but my uncle got married there. Beautiful catering hall. It is owned by Butch Yamali. He is the CEO of the Dover Group, has plenty of other restaurants and catering halls as well. There's another spot that I like. It's called Naya Hamptons. It's at the Capri Hotel in Southampton. This is very she-she. Michael Pizzinos is the owner. And uh, we welcome you both. And gents, we're hearing that uh, you guys want to get back to work. 
<laughs> but there aren't a lot of people who want to work. Butch, first to you. Is that what you're experiencing? It's not that we, we are working. I'm, I'm, I'm working behind the counter now. I've been in business for 40 years. I'm, I'm making hamburgers again. I'm, you know, I'm cooking and I'm, I'm carrying trays. It's, it's okay with me, but nobody wants to work. It's ridiculous. I mean, we call the people up. We say, come back to work. They say, why should I come back to work? I'm getting $45,000 a year. I stay home, watch TV. And it's ridiculous for the money they're giving out. That is wild. That's <laughs> really wild. Uh, Michael, same for you. Let me repeat let me repeat that. Nobody wants to work, but we kind of took a different approach because, you know, the American entrepreneurial mechanism and ingenuity should go to work. And from anemic, we wanted to go to dynamic and we wanted to be adaptive, resilient and resourceful. So we adapted a kind of uh, um, a, a few things that will make uh, make it through the summer of 2021, I think. All right. So Joe Biden, uh, you know, he, his messaging on this kind of shifts. He's been all over the place. He thinks that, oh, no, Americans want to get to work. But then he realizes maybe there's too much incentive to stay home. Uh, let's listen to this. I know there's been a lot of discussion since Friday, since Friday's report, that people are being paid to stay home rather than go to work. Well, we don't see much evidence of that. That is a major factor. We, we don't see that, that, look, it's easy to say the, the line has been because of the generous unemployment benefits that it's a major factor in labor shortages. Americans want to work. Americans want to work. You know, he says it like, OK, you know, he, it's almost like a cornball slogan in a way. Of course, Americans want to work. But he got tripped up because we just had that employment report that 750,000 jobs that should have been aren't because of these crazy incentives. So, all right. So, Butch, you're uh, you're making hamburgers. You're doing all kinds of things that a CEO doesn't normally do. Sooner or later, you mean, can't keep this up forever. No, I mean, I'll do it as long as I have to keep my business going. I do it for my staff and my family. But the hardest thing is now watching people stay home. They're complaining that they don't have any work. We offer them jobs. Normally, you'd have 15 people waiting online for one single job. Now we have nobody waiting online. It's, it's ridiculous. And people are just, you know, they, they, they're, they're annoying. They just, you know, we go to unemployment. We, we say we need people. You know, let these people come back to work. We challenge their unemployment, you know, affidavits. They say, don't worry about it. You're not paying for it anyway. It's not going to be charged to you. The claimant always wins, whether they're right or wrong. So we don't even bother anymore. We haven't had a report since January who's unemployment. I have 500 people unemployed right now. Insane. Wow. Uh, so wait a second. Now, are they pressuring you? Are you feeling pressure? Michael, how about you to increase whatever you're offering, you know, to match what Uncle Sam is offering? Boots, I hear your pain, but this is what we did. Obviously, you know, it's not easy. It's very challenging. But in order to stay competitive, you know, we had to offer flexible hours, vaccination incentives, employee discounts and a lot of training, a lot of training. And a lot of cross-training on a plethora of positions. Um, All right. Well, look, it sounds like you've come up with some innovative uh, solutions, but the problem persists. And, Butch, again, like, do you feel like you have to match what Uncle Sam is paying? Because Uncle Sam, hey, they can pay. <laughs> they got the money. They can keep printing the money. This is really kind of you're competing with Uncle Sam. They're not helping yeah. you. 
You can't compete. They just hand out money like it's water. Here, just print some more. Give it to everybody. Let's give away this and give away that. And who cares? Doesn't matter. Stay home, relax. You know, use Amazon and call up, you know, DoorDash and get your food. Why leave your mother's basement? You can stay home all day. What's the difference? We can match whatever we want. We can pay $30 an hour. Nobody's coming out. They don't care. They don't want to work. How about, those, how about those who are coming back? I know you have some. Uh, do oh, they sure. say, are they taking a financial hit by actually coming back to work? No, the ones that are getting paid well are, are available to work. It's the more, the lesser jobs like, you know, dishwashers, porters, waitstaff that can't can be consistent with salary. The managers are back, you know, but it's the people that do more of the backbreaking work, they're very hard to find. And it's getting tougher and tougher. I mean, drivers, and they just don't want to do it. They're just not, there's nobody, there's no field of people to pick from. I don't care who you call. I have ads everywhere. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm in the Newsday. It doesn't, whatever I can do, I put ads, nothing. You know, handful of people, nothing good. Wow. Uh, all right. Hey, Michael, um, <laughs> you're not in that same boat. You've come up with uh, what you've come up with. Uh, are you at full capacity yet? Uh, what's with the? I feel I, you know, Boots is 100 percent right. Okay. You know, uh, it hasn't been carefully thought out. Obviously, it's very challenging. We are at full capacity right now, but we wanted to take another approach by shifting the paradigm, and we wanted to invest in skills and not only necessarily experience. It can work for us, maybe not for the majority of people, like Butch's, uh, you know, restaurants and the restaurant group. All right, Michael, um, what do you exactly mean by that, shifting the paradigm how? I mean, you got a restaurant, for, you come... For example, instead of, uh, instead of experience, we're going for skills. Like, we're, ex we're employing for the first time a lot of young people. Not necessarily, like, like out of, uh, you know, people that are finishing high school or college that don't necessarily have the experience in the industry which can be very challenging, but we're talking about extensive training. And we did also a partnership with the Love Michael Foundation, LUV. We're employing autistic adults. Um, I think the time came for us to do such a thing, you know, in, in Southampton. All right. Uh, well, that sounds good. If it works for you, terrific. Uh, gentlemen, what's going on this weekend? Uh, Butch, do you have any weddings booked? I, I, my uncle got married there a long time ago. Well, great, great place at the Millridge Inn. Uh, what's 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 it looking like this weekend? We have uh, three weddings this weekend at the Miller Ridge Inn. I have another five at the Coral House. I have one at the Sands and Lido Beach. We we're all over the place at weddings, but again, people are still a little hesitant to come, the guests. But it's growing. It's getting better. Uh, it can't be at full capacity. You still have a six foot distancing, so limits what we can put inside. But people are getting you know more and more open to come, and it's getting there. Just we need uh, staff. And, we uh, need people to serve them properly. That's right. the important part. And Michael, uh, now that you are employing, uh, you know, teenagers and, and millennials, um, are they nice to you? Uh, are they? Uh, how do they treat the boss? Do they realize the boss is the boss? You're absolutely right. They come very complacent and very disincentivized. That's a problem. That's a huge issue. Um, and we try to employ a healthy mix of perks, you know, especially for young people. And so far, it has worked for us. I'm not sure what the answer would be if you ask me a month or two after the fact. Um, we'll see. We'll try the best. All right. Let's uh, stay in touch. Thank you very much. Great sure. facilities, both of you, by the way, and uh, interesting times. We've got the Naya Hamptons. This is the Capri Hotel in Southampton. Check it out. And also the Millridge Inn. Uh, Bruce, uh, Butch, rather, uh, thank you very much, both of thank you. you. Good stuff. To be continued, we'll be right back.
News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. After a year of hard work and so much sacrifice, the rule is very simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. Easy does it, Joe. Look at this. Look, he's drunk on power. Power that he doesn't have. The rule is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The choice is yours. All right, Joe Stalin. This is very Stalin-esque. In its own weird way, it is. The government decreeing this kind of thing. Uh, I don't like it, but let's bring in the experts. We've got Doug Weed, presidential historian, former advisor to President George H.W. Bush, and also Craig Shirley, the Reagan biographer. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, this rubbed me the wrong way in a big way. Doug, what do you think? Sure. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Joe. <laughs> That's what they used to call Joe Stalin. Well, you just can't win. I mean, they they were criticizing the governor of Florida, DeSantis, saying he was uh, making the vaccines available in supermarkets and that supermarket chain had given him a donation. So uh, 60 Minutes, the pit bull dog uh, who works for the left, uh, the new communism of America, 60 Minutes attacked him for that. And then you got Joe Biden on national television in the same, uh, if you'd have played a little longer, bragging on the fact that you're only 30 minutes away from a vaccine. Look at what we've done in a hundred days. Look at what we've done. And of course, you know, Greg, he, he said, there was no vaccine until I became president. Just you, you don't call it a lie because with Joe, you know, there's something wrong with him and it's the cognitive ability. So no one calls it a lie, but he won't correct it. CNN won't correct it. So, uh, wow. And by the way, <laughs> what you just said, and I am not going to dispute it one bit cognitive. I think it's totally uh, it's obvious but, Craig, uh, no one else is talking about it. We're seeing a man in decline. I don't know why you can't talk about that, why people are afraid to go there. Uh, but it's so obvious. It's staring us in the face. We have to go to foreign media to say it more clearly and directly. How long can this go on? Something, this just can't last, can it? It'll, it'll go on all four years, right up to the next, uh, the next <laughs> election. This is uh, what he's doing, what uh, Joe Biden is doing, besides... Uh, uh, besides cheating uh, in, in law school, I doubt he ever read the, the Constitution or read the uh, Ten, Ten Amendments, but this is clearly a violation of the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. The government can't tell you that you have to wear something or you have to take something. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. I, it, they're just going to—there's something unnatural about Biden's bend toward government and power, but it's always— his solution is always more government programs, more government uh, power, more government taxation, uh, completely antithetical to what the Constitution is about, what the revolution was about, and what some of our better presidents were about, which were leaning toward individual rights, individual freedom, dignity, privacy, and all those things that come with, with personal freedom. Um, so he does not have the power. That constitutional problem is very interesting. Yes. What he said yesterday and what he tweeted, those are political statements. I mean, we have to take a step back. This is his urging. He does not have the power to do that. 
So this is within the scope, Doug, a little bit, right? Yeah, very much so. It's all political and it's emotional uh, and it's uh, money. It's big business. I mean, uh, the large monopolies and the large corporations have uh, come out of this COVID crisis uh, like gangbusters. Uh, you just had earlier on your show a discussion of restaurants, for example. Well, small businesses were forced to close. McDonald's didn't close. Costco didn't close. So the large corporations, uh, some of which uh, have Disney, for example, 40 percent of their income from China, these big corporations who have their own deals, they benefited from COVID because their competitors were shut down. They hated Donald Trump because he released the angels of small business by deregulating. That's what allowed the Ma and Pa donut shop to open up mm. or allowed the restaurant in New York City to open three or four new uh, branches. And all of that was shut down by the monopoly. So it's driven by politics. And that's why I knew they're going to pull us kicking and screaming out of this mask thing. But it looks like they're going to have to. <laughs> now the parents are getting mad. So it looks like Biden's going to have to respond. Hey, one thing, uh, uh, back to can this last for four years? I do want to play a clip from, this is an Australian commentator by the name of uh, Alan Jones, and I, I think he's uh, nailing it when it comes to things Biden. You don't hear much of this in America, though. Take a look. Someone of significant note is going to have to tap this bloke on the shoulder and tell him he's got to go. The tragedy is the replacement is Kamala Harris, as big a disaster. Her own party didn't want her in the runoff for the Democratic nomination. She received 2% of the vote. If we don't think the free world is in a mess, we are bad students of the current international situation. Current international system, <laughs> Israel and, and domestically, the border, gas lines. Uh, I think he's onto something. I mean, like, they may be ignoring it in the mainstream media here, but we have seen these screw-ups from him. We've seen him fall down the steps three times. They're, they pretend it's not happening, but, but Craig, it is happening. It is. He's old. He's, he's feeble. Uh, I don't think he's altogether there. He's being surrounded by, by sycophants and people, staff propping up and protecting him from himself. And it's it's bad, a bad omen for all of us for at least the next two years uh, until the 2022 election, and possibly if Republicans take retake control of the House, uh, that they can stop a lot of this nonsense from from going on again for the next two years. All right. Final thoughts, Doug Weed. Yeah, uh, it's a Jimmy Carter redo. You know, uh, Trump famously said, uh, no, Jimmy Carter inherited a lot of this, whereas Biden's caused it. But there's gas lines, there's inflation, there's weakness in the Middle East, the 300 and some million he gave Iran. They immediately give the money to the Palestinians who rain rockets down on Israel. It's uh, a real mess, and it's his. He can't blame this on his predecessor. The only thing he can blame on Donald Trump Trump is he got them the vaccine, which has made him look kind of good. <laughs> it's wild. The Trump vaccine. Yep, indeed. Gentlemen, I appreciate it so much. Doug Weed, Craig Shirley to be continued. I'll be Thank right you, back. Craig. The former president of the United States. 
And, you know, I wouldn't say Fox has been exactly perfect. Fox has been a big difference of Fox between now and what it was four years ago, as you know. But we have others that come along and they're doing well. And uh, uh, Newsmax has been really good. And, you know, others are coming along. And people are seeing that they're watching these conservative networks. President Trump is right. That's why millions of Americans are tuning into Newsmax for the real news they can trust. When I was a kid in high school, I was fascinated by the Soviet Union. Back then it was the Soviet Union. So I went there on a school trip because I heard it was a land where they had censorship, one-party rule, fuel shortages. Uh, And when I went there in the mid-1980s, they had all of that stuff. And they had this massive police state. Followed me around, actually. I was detained for a short period of time with one of my buddies. We were just standing around, but you can't just stand around in the Soviet Union. What do we have here right now in America? We have something damn near close to censorship. We have fuel shortages. We have one party that is aspiring for one party domination. This is wild stuff. I never thought it would happen. I thought it was contained on that one school trip that I went to in the Soviet Union, but uh, no. This is happening. It's here. It's real. And we can't be afraid. We have to stand up. We have to stick up for ourselves and each other and obey the law, of course. I'm turning to God more than I ever have in my life before. And if you're not on that journey, um, I ask you to consider it because it has made a huge difference in my life every night. And every day, actually, on my way to work, the Charles Stanley Bible. Uh, it's a James, King James uh, edition, but Charles Stanley has a lot of footnotes and essays. It helps me a lot, and I think it might be able to help you. Anyway, folks, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. Thank you very, very much. Let's stick together. Mm-hmm.